you are listening to the Christian Bookworm Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. I show up every other week to talk to you about all things bookish and to share one fiction, one nonfiction, and one children's book selection written by and for Christians. I love reading good books, and I love helping you find good books, too. Let's dive in. This is episode 19, and as always, you can find all the links to all the books and anything else we talk about on today's episode on our show notes page, www.authorskbell.com slash p slash show notes dot html. Bookworms, I did something really fun yesterday. I created a Goodreads group for the podcast. So if you don't already have a Goodreads account, I want to take a moment to encourage you to create one. I think it's just a really fun way to keep track of the books I read and to keep track of my favorite authors and find out when they have a new book coming out. And it's also just a fun way to be a little bit nerdy and talk books with like-minded bookworms. So if you do already have an account or if you make one, first of all, you can always add me as a friend. I am SK Bell on Goodreads. I'll put that in the show notes. But definitely check out our group. I think it's going to be a fun place for some bookish discussion, some polls. It's just going to be a generally cool virtual book club hangout space. Friends of the Christian Bookworm podcast. You don't have to answer any special questions or do anything special to join. You just hit join and you're in. And again, I will link to that in the show notes. This is our last episode for season one, or no, it's not. It's our last regular episode for season one, and next week is our season finale. That is a big episode. Today's episode is actually going to be a little bit longer than usual, but our next episode is going to be a decent amount longer. I am playing some of your book recommendations. I will have Ryan on the show with me, and he will be I'm reading some of your questions, and I will answer them. I think it's going to be a good time. But today's episode is going to be a great time. I have a really great conversation to share with you with a brand new debut author, Peyton Roberts. She has some awesome stuff to share, and I think you're going to love it. I am excited to introduce you to Peyton Roberts. Peyton, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. I am excited to have you here. So why don't you tell us all a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm a military spouse, and I've been writing since childhood. I've, um, I started writing poems when I was in elementary school, was writing stories, and then I became a big journaler. And so writing is something that's always been part of my story, and uh, through various times in my life, different seasons, it's been more important than others. Um, and about eight years ago, I became a mom for the first time and writing took on a whole new meaning. We have two kids, Sadie, who's about to turn eight and Nate, who's four. And our family is currently living in the San Francisco Bay area. Oh, that's great. And I can relate to a lot of that. That's perfect. Um, would you tell us a little bit about yourself as a reader as well? Yes. So I read all over the place. I usually have an upstairs book, a downstairs book, and a book on my phone. So that's usually, uh, I, I enjoy women's fiction, book club books. I enjoy nonfiction, especially writing craft books. And 
read a ton of picture books to our kids and we've moved into chapter books here recently which has been a lot of fun and um i just i've i've found that the more the more i'm reading the better i'm writing so Mm. writing reading is definitely a fuel for for my writing i love that and i definitely agree with that i'm going to put you on the spot um is there a favorite writing book that you could recommend yes I I love the book that's called Fearless Writing by William Kenower. It's one of the lesser-known writing craft books. I mean, certainly Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott is a huge favorite, and it's phenomenal. Uh, and Stephen King's writing craft book on writing is hugely popular, and they were both wonderful books. Fearless Writing is it's almost like a group of essays that are a love love story about writing. And so a lot of the essays have to do with life as much as they are about writing so really anyone who's involved in any creative endeavor could enjoy these essays um and it's just it's beautifully written and it really makes you love the craft that sounds great i'm definitely going to look for that one but i have read on writing and bird by bird and i definitely got a lot out of both of those um but i should warn our listeners because some of them are more sensitive than others to um language and I think I know Stephen King's book has some crass language but I think both of those books um, (laughs) they're not perfectly appropriate so that's our warning for those of you who who don't want to overlook that that those maybe won't be your books Um, My recollection from uh, William Kenner's book was that it was pretty, pretty squeaky clean. I had a really, yeah, it's been a few years since I read it, but I, I think I feel safe recommending it. So that one might be for everybody. Well, cool. That's perfect. Um, I want to ask you a few other questions about yourself as a reader, just so our listeners can get a feel for who's talking books with them today. Um, So the first thing I want to ask you is, do you remember the first book that you really loved or maybe the book that made you a reader? That's a great question. I really enjoyed reading the Babysitter's Club Little Sister books. I read those books. <laughs> I remember reading those in first grade. I think my sister was two years older, and she was reading the Babysitter's Club, which were too hard for me at that at that age. She was in you know fourth or fifth grade reading those books, and so I just loved that when I was in first or second grade. I could read the Babysitter's Little Sister books and feel like I had a, a story for me. Um, and of course, that led into the Ramona series and all the Beverly Cleary books, which are such classics. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Uh, I had an aunt who read the, you know, the Sweet Valley High and Babysitters Club, and so um, that was kind of my inspiration. So I read The Little Sister, and I have a fun story about that. Um, I think it's book seven. is called Karen's Kitty Cat Club. Yes. And. Um, I had recently tried to, or, you know, somewhat recently had tried to make a club for my neighborhood and I made all these flyers and I felt like I had probably made about a hundred, but my hand was tired. So I was going to take a break and count and I discovered I'd only made 12 flyers and it was so disappointing. Um, and so when I read Karen's kitty cat club, that literally happened in the book, like 12 I said the word literally, I don't like that, but I, oh, well, it's too late now. Um, <laughs> the girl had thought she made 100 flyers and she had made 12. 
Um, so I was just so into this book because of that. And when I got to the last page, there's a picture, you know, an illustration of Karen and all these friends in the kitty cat club. And one of the little girls in that illustration looks exactly like I looked like as a kid. Um, so I ran and I showed it to my mom and even my mom was like, oh, that's crazy. And I actually um, found that book in a used bookstore maybe two or three years ago. And I looked in the back and I thought, well, I bet she doesn't look like me because when you're little, sometimes, you know, things seem a little different than they are. And I looked and I'm like, man, that really does look exactly like me as a kid. I mean, you know, like a photograph traced it could have been so um that book is I don't own it or anything but it has a special place in my heart because it's so weird (laughs) yeah I could see how that would make it very memorable we might actually have that I bought a bunch of those books off ebay for our daughter and she's enjoyed them which is fun it's fun to pass fun the books that you love as a kid and have your your kids read them is is one of the best parts of parenting I think oh man it, it really is it builds so many memories and pulls up those nostalgia feelings it's a yeah it's a really cool really cool part of parenting okay Peyton do you log your books at all do you keep track somehow of the books you've read I I have in recent years I just keep a word document and I when I finish a book and I mean finish from start to first page to last page I'll go log it but uh, that's that's where I've kept track of my books and and really the reason I did that was to keep track of the number of books I was reading was a good indicator of, okay, if I'm reading 50 books in a year, I'm finishing a book a week thereabouts. That's a, that's a great pace for me. I feel like that's a a great number to strive for. I like that. I think that's a good solid number. Um, Okay. I also want to ask then, when do you read? So we said that you've got these little kids, you're writing books, you're pretty busy. So do you have time to read every day right now? Right now is tricky because I'm I, I'm launching a book for the first time, and so I'm putting a lot more effort into that. And um, it's really it has cut into my reading time. I usually read right before bed, or when I'm really into a book, I'll you know get the kids out to the playground and I'll sit and read the book uh, while they're playing at the playground. I like that. I like to read before bed too. Although I, I really struggle to read during the day because I get so distracted. If there's any talking going on in the background, which there always is when you have four little kids, it just it's not going to happen. So pretty also, much before yeah. bed is my is my time. <laughs> I also do a lot of audiobooks while I'm in the kitchen chopping, cooking, doing dishes. Uh, I'll put an audiobook on while I'm folding laundry and putting laundry away um if i'm running errands in the car so audiobooks are how i've racked up a lot of my books during this parenting season i count audiobooks too i like that do you have a um preference for fiction or nonfiction when you're listening to audiobooks or does it matter it doesn't matter i have found that when it's nonfiction and it's very detailed i can't I can't listen to it on audiobook and get the same out of it. So it has to be nonfiction that's really told as a story in order for me to feel like I'm still getting the same experience out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I have definitely found that some audiobooks or some books work great for me as audiobooks um, and other books only work for me in paper format. And then there's books that are kind of interchangeable. So it's very interesting. I haven't quite figured out exactly what it is about a book that makes it 
a great or you know a great audio or a great physical for me but there's something there all right last thing I would like to know if you have a favorite independent bookstore that you could recommend to everyone I love Blue Willow Bookshop in Houston Texas Blue Willow Blue Willow Bookshop I just like the name I just already love it just because of the name that's perfect Okay, and let's go ahead and talk about our book picks today. So for our fiction book, we're going to talk about your brand new novel, Beneath the Seams. And I had the pleasure of getting to read this. I think I finished it like a week and a half ago, and I really did love it. Um, So I wanted you to, first of all, tell us the release date because it is not quite out yet. Beneath the Seams is releasing on May 11th. May 11th. Yes, it's currently on pre-order, but it's coming out May 11th, right after Mother's Day. Okay, and why don't you tell everyone what the book is about? Sure. So, at the plot level, Beneath the Scenes is the story of a dress designer in Houston, Texas, named Shelby, who sews mother-daughter matching dresses. And as the story begins, Shelby is launching her dresses into a huge chain of retail stores nationwide. Uh, Shelby also has a family. Uh, She and her husband, Brian, have a four-year-old daughter named Paisley. And Shelby has a deep-seated desire to provide for her family, both financially through her business and also by being present at home, which uh, any working parent knows is a a difficult balance to strike. Mm -hmm. So as this story unfolds, Shelby learns that the choices she makes for her business impact a group of people across the world that she doesn't even know exists. And so that's where the theme comes into play. At the heart of the story, beneath the scenes is asking the reader a question. Who made the clothes you're wearing right now, and what does their life look like? So the timing of this book was really perfect for me because maybe two months before um, I had started to learn about the um, darkness that um, is really heavy in the clothing industry. Um, and so my family has, um, started taking this more seriously and we, we're not huge shoppers. We're not buying clothes every month, but we have just committed to from now on every new thing we need to purchase. Um, you know, we're being really intentional about, so I, you know, I learned about it. I got very interested and then suddenly your book just kind of fell into my lap, which is always, always so nice. I don't really believe in coincidence in that way. I know that was a God thing. Um, but it was really cool that it fell into my lap in fiction form. Obviously there are, um, documentaries and there are nonfiction books on the subject, but I don't know that I've really seen fiction about, um, the, well, not just the fashion industry, but the people, the real live people behind it. So I was wondering what made you decide to tackle it from a fiction standpoint? So I became aware of conscious fashion when my husband and I were stationed overseas in Guam, which is a tiny island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, kind of south of Japan and east of the Philippines. And when you're living on a tiny island, you 
you can't not think about supply chains and where things come from because so many things like the strawberries in the grocery store are flown in from California. Well, I know how long of a flight that is because I've, you know, done it myself. And so it's just starting to think about supply chains more and questioning where things came from, traveling across Asia, seeing where, where things came from. And so I became aware through those experiences of what was going on behind the scenes of the fashion industry. And I didn't feel I didn't feel like I had enough information information to to write from a nonfiction perspective, but I thought, what if I could tell a story that took the reader on a similar journey of what I've been through to go from being uh, I mean, honestly, I was a huge bargain shopper. And, and I shopped at a lot of the fast fashion brands in my college years in my in my 20s and and to now be a sustainable fashion ambassador with a nonprofit like remake like maybe I could take the reader on a similar journey and help them to kind of experience what I have and gently lead them in that direction I love that and I definitely think that you succeeded um, I just felt like I learned a lot, a lot of factual information, but it was not a heavy handed, you know, um, preaching. It was, I was so invested in the story that it was just, the information was falling into my heart and my mind organically, um, as I learned more about our main character, Shelby, and what she was learning, what she was experiencing, and, I'm reflecting on and and of course that had me reflecting on things and I have to say you know there's moments in the book where Shelby is you know um, I can't think of the specific where she was but she's kind of having trouble staying focused in a way because she's sort of just all she's oh it was at church and all she's really able to focus on is she's seeing all these people in front of her and the clothing they're wearing and and how you know, wow, you know, this person, I, every single time I've seen them, they're wearing something new. And I, you know, that specific item, who made that? Who made the shirt that person's wearing? And who made this? And what, you know, what does it say on that tag? And and what was the factory like where the people who made this worked? And I found that happening to myself as well. Um, Even when I wasn't reading the story, you know, I'd put the book down and I'd go out in public the next day and go to the grocery store and I would be thinking about this or as I'd get dressed in the morning I'd be thinking you know wow who made this and where was this made and because I still have plenty of clothes in my closet from um, from before and uh, myself included I'm very much uh, the bargain shopper of the past not anymore but um, I learned you know I so anyway I learned a lot and I felt so much but it never felt um it never felt like a, a lesson, like I was sitting down and having something hammered into me. I just was learning right alongside our main character, and that's a really cool feeling, and that was definitely some great writing to be able to pull that off, so um, kudos to you for that. But I also really loved the setting. Um, I have most of my family lives in Texas. It's a big state, um, but I've had family and have family all over the state. And um, I wondered, since since you're in California, um, what made you decide to set this story in Houston? So Houston is where I consider to be my hometown. I haven't lived there in about 20 years since I graduated high school, but it's where I went 
I started elementary school there, went to kindergarten in Houston, and then returned for my last two years of high school. And it's where I met my husband. And so for the last 20 years of our military journey, Houston has been our home base. It's where we've returned for holidays and uh, for summer trips and to see family there. So it's a place that I'm still very familiar with, but from a writing standpoint, it's it, it was a place that I always had enough distance to where I could I could kind of sit down to write and think of Houston as a setting. And so when I when I thought about this story, when these characters started to pop into my mind and this story idea came to me, I, I just pictured Shelby being in Houston. And it's also somewhere where it, my last two years of high school, I sewed the most intricate formal gowns for all the dances that we went to. So I just have a very strong connection to sewing dresses in Houston. So it seemed like a great setting for the story. Okay, I love that. And I love that you are also a dressmaker, or at least were. Are you still making dresses these days? So it's tough to find the time to, to do all of the things. I would love to. Yep. I, I, I have not been making dresses recently. I've uh, Two Easter's ago, though, I was in the middle of writing this story, and I made matching dresses for for our daughter Sadie and me to wear on Easter Sunday and it was a really special thing to be taking it was like life imitating art I'd created this character who had this business making these matching dresses and then I was making matching dresses to try to emulate this character and um, I was able to take a lot of notes about the experience and infuse those sewing terms into the story so it was a lot of fun and it was very meaningful and I just love the pictures from that Easter Sunday which we actually spent in Houston oh that's perfect I love that and I I won't give any spoilers because I do think it was a really special um, thing but there is a line somewhere near the beginning of the book um, where Shelby is talking about why why the matching dresses why the mommy and me um, and it's not just the practical element of you know because they're sitting in the same spot in the shop, you know, why she chooses to make them, um, that I just thought was so special. I, I have I have a son, but I also have three daughters. And so that, that mother-daughter element I thought was um, was really sweet, and, and that just makes that even sweeter. So I really love that. Um, can you tell us, before we move on, we're, we got to move on and talk about your nonfiction pick, but before we do that, can you tell us about a conscious fashion brand that you would encourage readers to check, or I'm sorry, listeners to check out if this is um, striking a chord with them? Absolutely. So the rock star brand that many of you are probably familiar with is Patagonia. They, they still are one of the big leaders um, in terms of an American brand and, and how they produce their clothing and sort of making ethical decisions throughout the supply chain, how their workers are treated, environmentally how their uh, their fabrics and materials are sourced, and they also fuel a ton of money back into causes like uh, mitigating the damages of climate change and creating change. So Patagonia really is one of the rock star brands. 
there's a directory of brands on Remake's website. It's directory.remake.world. And you can go on there and search for brands and find out how they score. So if you're curious if the place that you regularly buy clothes for yourself or your family is a rock star brand or an emerging brand or um, maybe a brand to take another look at, then you can go, you can go find out how Remake has scored that. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for um, sharing that. And I will I will put that in the show notes. I'll put all these links in the show notes. But I am going to um, – I'm going to check that out after we hang up because um, I had not heard of that particular resource. So that is wonderful. Thank you. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about a nonfiction book that you would like to recommend. So I loved The Best Yes by Lisa Turkhurst. And what I loved about that book is, you know, we have so many demands on our time, especially as parents, and uh, there are a lot of good opportunities out there. And we can, we can spend a lot of our time saying yes to people. This book is about what does it mean to say yes to God? And uh, Sarah, have you ever had someone hand you the perfect book at the perfect time? I absolutely have, yes. And it's a magical thing, and that's what happened to me with this book. Uh, a friend in my small group at church handed me this book. It just said, like, oh, I enjoyed this book. You should read it. And it, this is the book that helped me learn to start saying no to a lot of good things in my life in order to say yes to what I felt the Lord calling me to do, which was to write this novel. I really felt the Holy Spirit put this on my heart to tell this story in a way that would lift the voices of garment workers who are trapped in a system where they're invisible and also to lead readers down this path of, of um, maybe wanting to change how they, how they do things and how they interact with their, you know, the clothing they consume. And so this book, the best yes was really instrumental to my ability to clear my schedule and, and get, and unload some of the commitments that I've made in order to focus on God's call for my life and right beneath the seams. Oh, it's funny where you say, you know, has someone ever handed you the right book at the right time? And sometimes people just say the right thing at the right time because that's exactly (laughs) what I needed to hear just now. I'm definitely going to um, read this book probably next um, because I've been really grappling a lot here lately with um, I also homeschool, so, you know, just being a wife and a mom in general and, and you know, making a home for my family and, ma- and being the home manager, right, is just automatically my plate's pretty full. Um, mm-hmm. And then you add in homeschool, and we have a little homestead and some gardening, and, I'm you know, we always have these outdoor projects going on. And then there's just the general, you know, the cooking and the cleaning and the laundry and all of those things. Um, and then I want to... Um, work out and I want to write and I want to read and I host this podcast and it's like there's so much always that I'm feeling like I should be adding um, certain activities for my kids or so just yesterday I was really grappling with how to add something into my um, schedule that now you know hearing this I'm realizing boy I really need to reflect on this a little bit and um, you know take a moment to realize that God probably would not want me to pack my life so full um, that there's no room for him to say, hey, what do you think about maybe trying this out? Um, so thank you for this. Um, I'm definitely going to check this book out. And I do want to add that I have read some other um, Lisa Turkhurst and have really enjoyed her. Um, she also, I've, I've listened to some of her 
um, current story. I know she and her husband, um, I think he had um, asked for a divorce and now they have um, reconciled and there's been a lot of good healing. And so I've listened to a couple podcasts and she's, she's a really awesome woman and she's written some, um, she's got, you know, Proverbs 31 ministry. She's got uh, is it on Nui Radio? She does. She does some some speaking on there. And and um, what did I read? I read Uninvited, and I liked that one a lot. And that was really fitting for me. And I can't think of what the other one was. But have you read any other books of hers? I have. I think the other one is it, it's like it's not supposed to be this way. Is her newer one? Oh yeah. And she's just a phenomenal writer. She really she just is. pours her heart and soul onto the page, and she's very vulnerable and authentic. And um, I mean, I don't think you could read one of her books and not get something, something out of it. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I would agree with that. And I really like that her theology is so sound. Um, something I've learned just from from listening to her on um, podcasts and radio shows is that she, when she starts a book, I mean, she does hours of research with theologists. She has, I think she has theologists on staff, but if not, she at least has some she works very closely with. Um, and she is, she takes it very seriously. And I really, I really appreciate that about her. All right. Well, anyway, thank you so much because this, like I say, was a recommendation I needed. But let's talk about your um, children's books. So you said you have your your uh, son is four and your daughter is, um, you said she's almost eight, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yes, I imagine you read quite a lot of children's books. So go ahead and tell us about one of your favorites. Yes. So this is a new favorite. It's called Go Do Likewise by John Hendricks. And it just came out in February of this year. And it is it. It's a picture book that covers the parables of Jesus, and it does so beautifully with like, incredible illustrations, and it also, and through the story as well, um, one thing I really love about it is how by, by reading the parables this way, if, if you're familiar with the parables of Jesus and you've read them a whole bunch of times, it's, it's easy to forget that a lot of them are framed stories. Mm -hmm. So like the Good Samaritan, for example, Jesus... Jesus is talking to a rabbi when he tells that story, and then you know, he, he, he uses the story as an anecdote to teach the rabbi. And this book, this picture book, through the way that the pages are laid out and the way the artwork is, it makes it very clear when Jesus is talking to the rabbi, when he's telling the story. And so for me, it's been such a fun way to rediscover the parables of Jesus. And our kids are really enjoying it as well. Some of the pages, the way they call out the quotes, you almost feel like you're looking at this beautifully curated Instagram page of, of, of Bible verses, but it's just page after page of beautiful like fonts and, and artwork um, that just bring the stories to life. I love this idea, and I've read two other John Hendricks books actually pretty recently. Um, I read it's a like middle grade to young adult um, graphic novel called The Faithful Spy. So this is his um, kind of biography, like kind of slightly fictionalized biography on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, sure. who was. Um, well, I won't go into all of it, but he's part of World War II, and he has a very fascinating story, and I thought that was very well done. And then I also read a picture book about John Brown, um, an abolitionist. So I, I didn't really know anything about him before I read it, um, but he has 
he talks in the back about how it's kind of a controversial story too, but I thought it was very fascinating. And in both of those, um, he, you know, he talks about their faith. So he's got scripture in these, and these are secular published books, at least these two were. Um, and I wasn't expecting it in, in either instance for it to be so spiritually moving. Um, but both of these were, and I liked his illustrations a lot. He's got a really unique illustration style. Um, so I'm definitely going to look for this one too. Yeah, it's become a fast favorite in our house. I believe it. Yeah, you've got some great picks and a great book yourself. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for just being on the show today. This has been some really great conversation. And um, I wasn't kidding. I really needed to hear what you had to say about Lisa Turker's book. So I'm <laughs> going to make some changes and do some reflecting. I'm going to get that book and check that out too. So, um, so thank you again. And can you tell us where listeners can connect with you online? Absolutely. My website is peyton-roberts.com, P-E-Y-T-O-N-Roberts.com. And Sarah, I just want to thank you so much for giving my book a shot. It's, <laughs> I'm with an indie publisher and, um, you know, this is my debut novel. So it's, it's hard to go from, uh, you know, to being a writer to being an author. So I really appreciate you giving the story uh, a look and, and for helping to raise attention about what's important to me here. Absolutely. I'm so glad that I got the chance. Like I say, it came at just the right time. And I know that listeners are going to love this one. So I hope you guys will pre-order it. Where can they pre-order it? Through your website? Can they go through your actual website? Yes, my website has all the links. It's on Amazon, it's at Barnes & Noble, or you can even call your local bookstore and they can look up Beneath the Seams. Perfect. So I hope you will pre-order Beneath the Seams by Peyton H. Roberts. You guys check that one out because it really is so good. And um, yeah, hopefully we will hear from Peyton again in a year or two with another book because this one was really (laughs) great. Thank you, Peyton. Thank you, Sarah. Bye-bye. That's our show today, Bookworms. Thank you so much for listening. I definitely got a lot out of that conversation with Peyton, and I hope all of you did too. It's got me thinking a lot now about that best yes. I can't wait to read that book. I hope some of you will read that while you wait for Beneath the Seams to come out. But in the meantime, I'm, I'm just thinking about the fact that God has called us to do different things and to say yes to different things. And the things that I got out of that conversation are going to look very different from the things you got out of that conversation. And I think that is such a cool thing. So I just want to leave you with this thought. I read a book a few years ago called Give a Little by Wendy Smith. I believe it's a secular book, although I could be wrong. But it's basically just a nonfiction book about philanthropy And something in that book stuck with me all these years, and I think about it all the time. And it's the idea that when a major change happens because of financial giving, it's really easy for us to see that a big XYZ corporation donated this many thousands of dollars, um, or even a million dollars. But the fact is, The fact is that it's you and me choosing to give $3 or choosing to say, yes, round up my total to donate that 78 cents to this foundation. Those are actually um, the donations that add up the most. 
you and I saying, yes, here's the 78 cents from this last dollar are actually going to raise more money than the biggest corporations giving a million dollars. Isn't that something? So it's really easy to feel like we are stuck and to feel like we can't do anything and then to actually make ourselves stuck in the process. But the reality is that just doing that little bit, just taking that little step, just saying that little tiny yes, it all adds up and you make a difference in this world and so do I. And that's such a really cool thing and I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of that sometimes. So I hope you will walk away today feeling in your soul that you really are so much more important and so much more needed in this world than you probably allow yourself to realize or believe. But I've said it before and I will say it again, you were created on purpose for a purpose. And I hope today's conversation has you thinking a lot about what that purpose is. Once again, you can find me on my blog, authorskbell.com, and I hope you will check out Peyton on her website, peyton-roberts.com. I hope you will join me in that Goodreads group, Friends of the Christian Bookworm Podcast. Again, you can find all of these links. I know we had so many today. You can find all these links on the show notes page, www.authorskbell.com dot com slash p slash show notes dot html i hope you have a great day today bookworms and i hope that at some point involves you curling up with a good book see you next time